Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. They have the Great Reset, we have the Great Awakening. Members of the World Economic Forum met in Davos last week, bringing together representatives from over 130 countries, including 52 heads of state, as well as leaders from many of the world's largest corporations. The attendees paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for the privilege of having high-minded discussions about influencing global politics and the future direction of the world. The CEO of the World Economic Forum, or WEF, Klaus Schwab, presented a plan in 2020 at the height of the COVID-19 pandemic called the Great Reset, which lists the changes he believed would lead to a better world for all by making improvements in the way countries handle issues like equity, climate change, and social welfare programs. The right-wing media space has seized on this term as a barely disguised outline for the world's elites to carry out their fantasies about world domination. We need to talk about why the right is pushing this and why the conspiracies they're advancing are unhelpful distractions for all of those who really want a better world with less inequality and suffering. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe to the newsletter at didnothingwrongpod.com. And if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give us a five-star rating. Thank you again for your support. So let's start with the basics. What is the origin of the term Great Reset? So it all started in June of 2020. Right after the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, we're still experiencing lockdowns. There's still a lot of uncertainty about where the world's headed, what COVID means, what the death toll is going to be, all of that. So in June 2020, Klaus Schwab publishes this piece called Now is the Time for a Great Reset. And it's on the World Economic Forum website, and it's essentially a list of changes he would like to see in the world that he thinks are possible because of the unprecedented nature of COVID. And it reads like a a wish list of things that they could change for the better. And it really focuses on climate change and equity, social welfare programs, things that I think we can both agree that countries around the world, including the United States, are not doing enough about. Yeah. And it definitely sounds good. It definitely reads as as something that a concerned global citizen wants to change and make better and improve about all of our lives. But it's hard to believe it. It's hard to trust it. And I think the people that have been paying attention to Davos and this event for many years, I think a lot of them kind of laugh at the whole idea that it's turned into this grand conspiracy because this is just the way these people speak. This is the way the the elites talk, and it's kind of a form of virtue signaling. It's, we may have all this money, but we're definitely going to do something good with it. But there's not a lot of evidence that that's true, is there? Not really. And Davos is almost more of a trade show for these kinds of ideas rather than like an actual policy making forum. So Semaphore had a good quote from Peter Goodman, who is the author of Davos Man, How the Billionaires Devoured the World. And he's essentially been very critical of this event, of these people, of the Davos speak. 
as it were. And he said something that I think is really kind of at the heart of, of what we're dealing with here. And he said, in Davos, talking is the same thing as doing. The mere existence of a conversation, ideally, a, quote, multi-stakeholder dialogue is tallied up as action. The World Economic Forum is not a secret government or organized conspiracy. It is a giant business meeting, a chance for the heads of multinational oil giants to sit opposite Persian Gulf potentates, fronted by the performance art of earnest panel discussions aimed at solving the problems of the day. More than anything, Davos is a prophylytic against change, an elaborate reinforcement of the status quo served up as the pursuit of human progress. Which, yeah, (laughs) I think the thing for me is these people are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to attend, to rent a chalet, to fly their private jet in and out, and... They're paying all this money for a reason. They're not giving away money so that they can give away more money later. It's an investment in their future earnings, right. essentially. And they're pay they're paying for the privilege. And it is ostentatious and gaudy and kind of ridiculous. But they have to say these things so it doesn't seem like the obvious kind of so a lot of this stuff is window dressing for the idea that they want to schmooze. They want to get next to people of their ilk who have access to the levers of power wherever they're from. And they want to do deals. But they've got to have some level of making this look less gross, as it were. So every year they come up with some policy statements and some some ideas for how do we make things quote unquote better for the majority of people. There's a lot of buzzwords that get kicked around about this event. They've got a lot of things that they sort of put out there to try and make it seem a little less like what you said, a business meeting with a whole bunch of extremely rich captains of industry and tycoons. Nobody is paying this kind of money for nothing. They expect to get something back out of this. And in a lot of cases, what they get back is deals, connections, some kind of business relationships, et cetera. And they don't really have a whole lot of authority to make policy at this thing. All of this stuff is suggestions. Yeah. Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum, they aren't in charge of anything at this point, And there's no way they're going to be able to actually enforce these any of these ideas, right? They have to persuade people to think this is a great thing. Yeah. They've been having this event since the 70s and it's grown and costs more and more money seemingly every year but who is Klaus Schwab uh, okay he's he's a rich guy who a bunch of rich people pay to attend his event but he's not the head of state he's not the head of some major multinational corporation he's a guy that that has a kind of fancy get together and yeah he writes these things i honestly if you think about the whole term the great reset it is pretty cringe mm-hmm. really and it's it honestly it's like he was asking for it you put a term like that out there and you then you're surprised that the right wing turns it into this giant cabal conspiracy theory of of you're planning on taking over the world who didn't see that coming right (laughs) but maybe he didn't because he's just so out of touch and because these people can talk about making the world a better place but they do so from their ivory tower they don't they don't have to deal with the poor. they don't live in the same world no they absolutely don't and there is that idea 
of of people in Davos of this global citizen. And they they really don't have a whole lot of respect for borders and and every nation has different goals and ideas and they see they see trade as this sort of thing that should essentially knock down borders and any impediments to quote unquote progress. And it's like, well, yeah, that that means more money for you. But I think borders matter. I think each individual nation has its own priorities and goals. And we have to respect that. And these people just mostly just see dollar signs. Mm -hmm. We had this great reset article that he put out in June of 2020. But what really happened during COVID is the rich got much, much richer. Yes. <laughs> and it's not like they didn't already have the vast majority of our wealth. I was reading this from Judd Legum and his uh, newsletter, Popular Information. And I was struck by just how bad it is. I knew it was bad, but he, he really broke it down. And he said, today, just 81 billionaires hold more than 50% of the world's wealth combined. And while the elite enjoyed an unprecedented windfall, those with the fewest resources during COVID-19 pandemic saw their material conditions stall or worsen. Oxfam estimates that at least 1.7 billion workers worldwide will have seen inflation outpace their wages in 2022. So 81 people hold more than 50% of the wealth and... How many of them are <laughs> are at this event? This event where they're supposedly part of this this effort to make the world a better place. Right. And I mean, if you look at the pandemic numbers and where their money went during the pandemic, just to give you some actual numbers here, CBS News, the world's 2,365 billionaires enjoyed a $4 trillion boost to their wealth during the first year of the pandemic, increasing their fortunes by 54%. So... They got a lot richer, as you said. And, you know, people like Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, that everybody had to use that could during the pandemic because he couldn't right. go out. So Amazon, massive profit spike there. You have all of these people who probably to some extent can hear the pitchforks and the torches. Yeah, they they want to keep their money. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like if we have criticism of quote unquote wokeness, it's this kind of fake corporate woke idea where they're willing to say all the right things and have their rainbow flags and appear to be doing good. But let's look at the balance sheet. Yeah. Like, let's ask them how much they've actually done to advance any of these policies they supposedly support. And okay, saying the right things is generally good. But if you're not doing anything then, it, like you said, it's window dressing. You're Starbucks and you're supporting Black Lives Matter. You're supporting Pride Month. You're letting employees put their pronouns on their aprons, but God forbid they form a union. God forbid they try to collectively bargain with you. They will shut down your store for that and they've done it. So really, it it says a lot about where they're at what what threatens their their bottom line and what doesn't exactly you have to look at the money and if your ceo is getting a larger and larger bonus year on year and you're saying all the right things but your workers wages aren't not even keeping up with inflation nope like hey maybe this isn't real maybe you you don't actually want to improve education or improve access to healthcare or 
really want to invest in groups that protect LGBTQ rights. I don't know. It's kind of like a a shield that they put Mm -hmm. up and they hope that they can just keep saying the right things, do as little as possible, spend as little money as possible to actually change anything. And maybe we'll get distracted or we'll find a shiny object somewhere else. But these people answer to their shareholders. They don't answer to the lowly hourly worker. They don't, they don't think about them. They don't care about them. They don't know who they are. And I think when we we try to explain, like, why are these conspiracy theories running rampant, you have to at least account for the fact that income inequality is getting worse. People are working more. People are exhausted. And and life is getting better for a very small subset of the population. And it's getting harder for everyone else. And, And people feel powerless in a lot of a lot of cases. And. I think we we both agree that feeds directly into this conspiracy kind of mindset. Absolutely. Absolutely. You think everyone is against you or it's easier to believe there is a coordinated conspiracy to make your life worse or at least to not care about you but make the richest of the rich better because – That's what you see happening. You see them getting richer. You see them every year gaining trillions of dollars in wealth. When you're struggling to hold on to what you had last year and the year before that, things are not going as well for you. Maybe you've been laid off. Maybe you've had your hours cut. Maybe they've laid off all of your coworkers and you're working three times as hard as you used to have to work. There's a lot of things that right now a lot of people are going through that those people at the top just aren't seeing. And it is bait for your Alex Joneses, for your Mike Flynn's, for your guys who want to give you a very simple answer to why this is all happening. And they can point to a plan like the idea of a great reset where, quote, you will own nothing and be happy about it. That's some of the most unhelpful messaging they probably could have come up with for this particular idea. Because then those guys can look at that and say, see, see, this is where it's going. This is where they're they're taking you. Rise up. Right. And it's fine to find a buzzword, find a, a phrase that you can contort and change. And I don't even know where that one, the, the, the one about owning nothing and you'll like it. The quote comes from a video that the World Economic Forum published in 2018. It was eight predictions for the world in 2030. One of the quotes was, you will own nothing and you'll be happy. So they did it to themselves. When it came to that particular quote, yeah. I mean, that, that that's the rake they stepped on right there. And Alex Jones and his friends have been using that particular line against them ever since. Yeah, they absolutely have. And you see a lot of kind of cringeworthy <laughs> responses mm-hmm. or, or claims. But you also have to remember, like, they did say this thing at the event, someone who spoke there. But this is just a person like this is just someone's weird idea. It is not anything that they can actually do. And it's honestly, it's like a term paper or something. It's it you can you can say all these things and you can, oh, look at how look at how benevolent I am and look how much I'm going to imagine this future utopia. And it's it's silly and absurd. And they did do it to themselves and they shouldn't be this out of touch. But it's. It just speaks to the whole event and it does feed directly into these conspiracy theories. And no surprise, they're, they're saying stuff like, oh, you have to stop eating meat. We can solve climate change if we just 
stop eating meat. It's like, well, okay, I know that's a thing that some people have talked about and that they think would help, but maybe you should stop using a private jet to fly mm-hmm. everywhere. There's like 2,700 people at this event. and They're all in their Gulf streams. Yeah, exactly. The optics are miserable. You look at this and it's They're like- They're terrible. You have a bunch of people in Gulf streams telling you that you shouldn't have a hamburger. And that, like I said, opens a space for a guy- like Alex Jones, who claims to be a man of the people, claims to be like just the regular guy. Yeah, he does. And I, I just want to read this because I, Naomi Klein had something in The Intercept back in 2020 that was talking about what this term means to the right. And I, and I think it was just, it was good. So I'm going to, I'm going to read it. It is a few years old, but really nothing has changed. It's the same conspiracy theory. It's just gotten bigger, but this is kind of the heart of the matter. She writes, If you search for the term global reset, you will be bombarded with breathless exposés of a secret globalist cabal headed by Schwab and Bill Gates that is using the state of shock created by the coronavirus, which is probably itself a hoax, to turn the world into a high-tech dictatorship that will take away your freedom forever. A green socialist Venezuela Soros forced vaccine dictatorship if the reset expose is coming from the far right and a big pharma, GMO, biometric implants, 5G, robot dog forced vaccine (laughs) dictatorship if the expose hails from the far left confused that's not on you less a conspiracy theory than a conspiracy smoothie the great reset has managed to mash up every freak out happening on the internet left and right true true ish and off the wall into a meta stream about the unbearable nature of pandemic life under voracious capitalism i've been doing my best to ignore it for months even when various reset researchers have insisted That all of this is an example of the shock doctrine, a term I coined a decade and a half ago to describe the many ways that elites try to harness deep disasters to push through policies that further enrich the already wealthy and restrict democratic liberties. Well, she's not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a pretty good term for it. And we kind of refer to that, I think, now as the Great Awakening. Yeah. The idea that they have somehow discovered the globalist plan for the new world order. They've managed to mash all the various conspiracies of every stripe together. And they're bringing all of it kind of together under one roof. You're looking at, you know, the anti-vax people, the QAnon people, the anti-new world order people, the anti-Davos, the anti-Bilderberg people, everybody who seems to think that, there's a them out there that's running things and they're trying to get them all under one roof. And so far they've done a pretty good yeah. job of it. I got to admit, this is pretty impressive looking at how they've managed to tie up wellness influencers with proud boys. And they've somehow got these people on enough of the same page that when you get a guy like, you know, Alex Jones or Jack Posobiec showing up at the world economic forum, to whatever they're trying to do at the World Economic Forum. Reveal reveal the truth. Yeah, we're going to expose you and we're going to accost you in the street and force the the answers out of you. And and they don't. And they they just kind of shrug them off and have a nice Mm -hmm. day or just ignore them entirely. But it, it gives the appearance of doing something, right? Right. It's great for ratings. It's great for, you know, YouTube views and Rumble views. It's basically the kind of thing that... These people, they know that they're not going to get invited 
They know that they're not going to have a ticket no matter what. So their best option to put their views in front of the policymakers is to show up and hassle them in the street. And they've had a very good run with that the last few years. There was there was Jack Posobiec being detained in Davos and had guns pointed at him. I've seen that whole clip. There is not a single gun pointed at the guy. And you find yourself thinking, this is another hustle for you guys. This isn't anything to do with freedom or human liberty. This is your latest. Alex Jones has been bashing on this kind of thing since Alex Jones has been doing his show. He's been after the Bohemian Grove people. He's gone after the Bilderberg group. He's specializes in this kind of, there is a global satanic new world order that is oppressing you. And Davos and the World Economic Forum, unfortunately, has given him quite a bit of ammunition to use for that narrative in the last few years. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, you're, you're right on it. And I, I just felt like for the people who aren't tuned into this, I might, I might read some of the right wing commentary of this event and and where they're going with this. And I, I wanted to start, you, you bring up Alex Jones and like, it has been a, a thing for him for, as long as the guy's been mm-hmm. a thing, right? It's it's everywhere. But a few days ago, we have Charlie Kirk saying on Twitter, I'm just going to read some tweets here. Charlie Kirk, no one wants to admit it, but all the talk about a one world government has been communicated daily by Alex Jones for 25 years. Credit where it's due. <laughs> you do not have to hand it to him, Charlie. No, you do not. You definitely but- don't. Unless, you know, he's basically your mentor, which, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, it would be funny if the guy wasn't getting tens of millions of dollars a year to keep doing what he's doing. But here Mm -hmm. we are. Here we are. Got to hand it to him. So here's Charlie Kirk's organization, TPUSA on Twitter. This week, world leaders are meeting in Davos, Switzerland, to collude on what they call the Great Reset. Learn how you, all caps, can combat the global elite by getting your copy of the, quote, American response to the Great Reset for a gift of any amount. So they're actually selling Mm -hmm. an anti-Great Reset grift on this. And then we have uh, Jack Posobiec, who works for TPUSA now. And he commented, noticed that this year Davos has completely abandoned their Great Reset framing. This doesn't mean they've abandoned the agenda. They're changing their tactics in response to the global backlash. So uh, we see a lot there because these guys don't ever let the conspiracy go. They don't ever say, oh, it's gone or we beat it or never mind. It's, well, it might look like it's gone or maybe it changed or whatever, but it's it's still there in the background and don't worry. (laughs) Everything we told you is true and... If you don't see it anymore, if it's no longer on their website, it's it's because we've exposed them and you can continue to expose them by buying my brain vitamins. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And it's it is that whole if you think of what Schwab initially said with the Great Reset. And again, like everything else he's put out there, it's not something they actually did or there's no like tangible positive benefit that they had from this. It was a temporary measure and an idea related to COVID and that they thought could kind of reset some of the ways that the 
various nations around the world could operate, could help their people. And again, like we're not saying that it, it was real or that they meant it, but the whole idea was always supposed to be temporary. It didn't go away because the conservative media owned the the global elites. It's because it was this temporary thing. And then they moved on to a new Davos mm-hmm. speak and that's what they do. And they're never ones to let a good idea go in their case. And this is a good idea for them because it makes money for their various hustles and their various grifts. I was researching this and in the comments of practically every one of these videos you see exposing it, there's 10 links to various products that you can buy that will help you survive the coming Great Reset, books, pamphlets, um, ivermectin, colloidal silver, this kind of stuff that these same people have been selling you for years under one guise or another. So it's obvious what these guys are getting out of it. They're getting clicks. They're getting grift. They're getting clout. If you could speak to those people, I think, I mean, what what would you tell the people who are watching those videos and seeing this particular line being pushed about why this is just not helpful? Because they look ridiculous. Because so much of the of the conspiracy theories around the Great Reset and around the World Economic Forum is focused on vaccines. Right. And a lot of the videos that went really viral over the last week from the event were we had one guy that works for Rebel News that came upon the CEO of Pfizer and the CEO of AstraZeneca and essentially was berating him for the vaccines not stopping the spread. And, well, you you guys put out this narrative and it was untrue. And shouldn't you apologize for your ineffective vaccines? And some of the messaging in, in the beginning with the vaccines, it was incorrect And I honestly think in most cases it was unintentional. People wanted you to get the vaccine because the vaccine saved lives. And some of the there were some comments in the media, at least, that said, well, if you if you take the vaccine, you won't get covid. And it was it was confused. It was right. That was never correct. Yes. Right. And and it's unhelpful. And they play those clips all the time now, because, again, you you need to be accurate. You need to know what you're actually getting out of this, because if you get it that wrong, then it's going to be a clip that they play and play and play in five years, 10 years, whatever. They're, they're, remember when they said this? Well, look, the vaccines did not stop the spread. It, it's pretty clear that they made it less likely to spread than it was without the vaccine. But the biggest thing with COVID-19 vaccines, at least the The good ones, not the one in China, maybe, (laughs) but (laughs) the ones here was that it saved lives. And if you accost the CEOs on the street and berate them about their ineffective vaccines, it's silly and it's absurd. And you're a kind of a crazy person or you appear to be a crazy person that can just be dismissed because, look, even if there were some minor inaccuracies, these saved tens of millions of lives Mm -hmm. and they will go on saving lives for the people who actually took them. And nevertheless, the videos that really gained the attention that really went viral that everyone was seeing in the right wing media space about the event in Davos was it was anti-vax material. It was your vaccines don't work. If you're the CEO of Pfizer and this guy is telling you you have an ineffective vaccine and 
you're the CEO and you know your vaccine saved millions of lives. Like, this is silly. This is a street performer. This is a, this is not a guy who's getting at the truth because it, this isn't the truth. Yeah. So why should you take any of his criticism seriously? Why should you take any criticism seriously when by far the loudest voices are just spewing nonsense? And it really makes the whole concept of taking a close look at what these people are saying and doing seem kind of ridiculous because the people who do it are the Alex Jones types. And you don't want to be like an Alex Jones type. And it really seems, like you said, less than helpful and somewhat ridiculous to hitch your wagon If you're talking about inequality, if you're talking about income standards being lowered, standard of living going down, costs going up, it seems very unhelpful to use Alex Jones's framing when it comes to that about globalists and the new world order. And when a guy like Alex says globalists, what does he mean? Well, it's it's interesting because when Alex Jones had Kanye West on his show and Kanye started going all in on anti-Semitism and blaming the Jews for everything. And Alex Jones kind of pushed back on that. Oh, we don't, I don't really do that here. <laughs> so, but, uh-huh. it, and you saw Tim Pool do the same thing. And when, when Kanye went on his show and it's, they are fine with some dog whistling anti-Semitism. And I think that is in general what, they mean by globalists. They don't necessarily mean Jew. I think the more we've seen plenty of, of neo-Nazis and white supremacists who are very clear when they say globalist, they mean mm-hmm. Jew. And maybe they don't say Jew because they don't want to get banned from whatever platform it is or because they think it's funny or whatever the thing is. But there, there are absolutely plenty of people on the right who, when they say globalist, they mean Jew. And Alex Jones, it's, he doesn't mind if you think that. He doesn't mind if you're listening to him and you hear globalists and you think Jew. He's not going to dissuade you Mm -hmm. from that, but he's not going to come out and say it because that's not, that's not his brand. And, and I think it's also why some of these guys on the right, well, you got Josh Hammer at Newsweek who he is Jewish and he can talk about globalists. And it's again that sort of like vaguely anti-Semitic and should you be saying this? But a lot of these guys, they say globalist and even if they're Jewish, it's well, not me. Right. It's, it's those, it's the liberal Jews. It's the Jews over mm-hmm. there. I'm, I'm a nationalist. I'm a hard right guy and it's not the same thing. And I think, I think we both agree it's, dangerous like you you play into that you play that up you give a voice to that and i kind of want to shake them and be like "Eh, are you are you sure do you know where this leads you know where this goes didn't the nazis used to use the phrase cosmopolitans when they wanted to say the same thing yes yes they did yes they did because it looked better in the newspapers and yeah it's it's all kind of moving in a direction that historically does not end well. And I have concerns and I know a lot of people share those concerns and I don't feel good about where we're heading and where the information space is heading. But I would say that the people who are concerned by this, the people who 
could one day be affected by this, should all be aware that if income inequality continues on this path and trajectory, and we don't see any evidence that the elites, whoever they are, the richest among us, if they don't make an effort to change this, to care, to see it for what it is and see the unfairness and the unsustainability of the current economic situation, I think there's every chance that these audiences are just going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And that's scary. And eventually it will hit a tipping point where they've got enough people that have been affected by this, that are upset about this, that will be ready to go out and do something. And that's when things get really bad. And it feels in some cases like the whole fighting the culture war versus fighting the class war type of dichotomy that they want you to believe that you can only do one or the other. And it really feels like what we need to do now is kind of find a way to have both of those conversations at once rather than trying to say, well, it's all about economic inequality or it's all about you know social justice issues. These two things kind of do go hand in hand here. And if they don't do the work on the one, it's going to make it so much harder to do the work on the other. And that's what we're seeing. Yeah. And I think, unfortunately, we have to fight the culture war because it does matter. It does sway minds. We had Molly McHugh on here and she talked about the information space and someone needing to be there to push back on the lies that are that are just floating out there that are just getting free reign to infect the discourse. You've got Tucker Carlson, the most popular cable news host out there, advancing pro-Russia talking mm -hmm. points, advancing great replacement theory and white supremacist talking points. Sometimes it's dog whistling and sometimes he really just kind of comes out and says it. And his people are listening and it is it is moving the conversation to an extreme and to a fringe. And that does have consequences that does affect what occurs out in the world. A guy like David DePape, who attacked Nancy Pelosi's husband, he consumed the culture war and it led him down a path. So we can't just ignore it. Unfortunately, it's too big. There's too many people listening. There's too much incentive for them to keep doing this for us to just kind of close our eyes and cover our ears and, and pretend like it's not going to affect us because right. it is. But I think we also have to see it for what it is. These, these people, these right wing provocateurs or performers in Davos, so focused on the, the vaccine are doing it because it plays into the conspiracy theories. It plays into. Well, it's it's a clip that Alex Jones is going to play on his show. Like they've they've kind of cultivated their audience to to hear this stuff and to know when you go after the Pfizer CEO when you're getting him on the street and talking about his ineffective supposedly ineffective vaccines, they know what's being said there. They've been they've been primed for this and so it does go viral. But even though it's a distraction, even though it is not the income inequality conversation we want to be having, people are going to hear this and they're going to refuse to take the vaccine. And so COVID's going to spread more more lives may be lost. Real consequences happen, even though this is 
these events just just bring us guys who are are just there to honestly it's to advance their career make a cheap buck at the expense of their audience they really hate their audience i think in a lot of cases they really if if they didn't they wouldn't be doing what tucker carlson did the other day and recommending that they smoke cigarettes because nicotine makes you think clearer according to tucker <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, really, you got to wonder what level of contempt the man must have for the people who pay his bills every month. But at the same time, it's a distraction, but it's a distraction, like you said, that needs to get addressed because it's so big now. Well, yeah, it, you talk about Tucker Carlson and he's pushed all this anti-vax stuff, but Fox News required their employees to get the vaccine. <laughs> and how many of these guys that are out there pushing these talking points have had the vaccine, have had the booster, aren't actually doing this. It's their audience. And we know from the Tucker-Alex texts that we discussed recently that both Tucker and Alex Jones absolutely in the beginning of COVID took this thing seriously to the point where Tucker drove to Mar-a-Lago to try and personally talk Trump into being a little better about this and texted Alex Jones about it afterwards saying, I tried. So for them to go out after that and push anti-vax rhetoric on their audience and vaccine doubt just sort of says that like they don't care these guys are doing this for a job these guys are doing this for ratings and money and they don't really care about you yeah and i've i've seen several journalists try to get tucker to answer whether or not he's had the vaccine and he won't <laughs> do it and he'll say oh it's a it's a personal choice oh that's that's a i i won't answer that personal uh, question <laughs> It's like, he has. it's, it's really, he it's has. straightforward. He has, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm he sure. has. Yeah. Because he's not an mm -hmm. idiot and he thinks his audience is, he, he doesn't care if they get the vaccine, they don't get the vaccine. He's going to sleep fine at night. And maybe if he thinks about it, he'll say, well, that everybody gets to make mm -hmm. their own choices. It's, it's a free country, whatever. <laughs> if it's, it's not my problem. It's, it's not on me. Can you imagine what the outtakes from that show are like? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. These guys, sometimes you do see someone who kind of consumes their own product. It does happen. And it's kind of hard to say who has and who hasn't. But this is a performance. And you see plenty of them. You see, you brought up Mike Flynn, and he, he goes on tour mm -hmm. now. And it's Great Reset and the Great Reawakening. And it is all the QAnon talking points, it is QAnon believers and influencers and all these people who've done this. And Mike Flynn took the QAnon pledge. And now he's been restored to Twitter. And now he's trying to, quote, distance himself from QAnon. Like, buddy, there, there is no greater embodiment of QAnon on the planet than you. <laughs> QAnon was absolutely how you stayed relevant in all those years that you got canned from Twitter. You went to that audience and you absolutely, you know, played that game. Now you want to pretend that this was not what you were up to. You're doing these revival tours, basically, like almost a traveling preacher thing, except what you're preaching is this great awakening, weird umbrella-er conspiracy theory that you've got going. <laughs> and you're making a whole lot of money doing this as a result. So please, you know, spare me. I, I I don't believe that you've all of a sudden seen the light on any of this stuff. You haven't. Well, and the, and the hypocrisy, the contradictions are everywhere. And, and we could talk mm -hmm. about them endlessly. And we could fact check this stuff almost endlessly. 
I don't know. I think as we sit here, we feel like we're off on the tip of the spear for the conspiracy theories, for the stuff that is being pushed that is not true, that is not real. And we wish that we could just talk about income mm-hmm. inequality. We wish that the conversation about Davos left and right was about the money and and making people's lives better and improving the state of the world. But these people are loud. And sometimes the left is absolutely not saying enough and not focusing enough on this. And that's a whole other discussion <laughs> on on why it doesn't go there. But the right is drowning in this rhetoric. And I think we feel like we we need to express that yes, we see this we see this for what it is. We see this the distractions as a way to pull the conversation a certain way. And while we would love to just ignore it and not talk about it, we have to because people are listening because it is it does impact all of us and it does keep happening, keep getting worse. And I think we both feel like the goal here is to shift the conversation. But until until we can start to chip away at this these right-wing movements, these talking points that are just the entire focus of the conversation in some instances, then no. we can't. Because the culture war is a distraction, but it also matters. It's still a war. Yeah. It's still a war that a lot of people are out there fighting, and you really have to take people where they're at. And if some of these people are at that point, then that's where you got to engage them if you want to engage them. They don't want to hear about some of the rest of it until you can answer those questions. So that's, I think, what we're trying to do to some extent is to answer those particular questions so we can answer the other ones too. And I think a clear kind of explainer, I think, on a lot of this, on on how <laughs> how effective this right-wing rhetoric is for these guys' careers, it, it is no more obvious than the case of Steven Crowder, uh. who was offered a... $50 million contract from Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire to keep producing his content, to keep working under that umbrella. And Crowder turned it down. Wow. He wanted more. He thought $50 million over four years. Nah, I'm worth more than that. Because these guys are making bank. <laughs> yes, like, they they're are. Gonna, <laughs> they're going to keep doing it. Working class hero, that man. Yeah, yeah. And and they're going to pretend to be the advocate for the for the blue collar worker and they're laughing all the way to the bank. Exactly. And maybe he was that guy once upon a time, but that is that is far in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. And when you see the the videos we saw coming out of Davos, a lot of it was from Rebel News and some quote unquote correspondent that they have out of Australia that I'd never heard of. But he was the one that really kind of it was his week it was it was his videos and him accosting the ceos and him talking about the vaccine and pretending like he's making mm-hmm. a difference and what he's really doing is making a career because he wants that payday and if it's not him it's a hundred other guys waiting in line trying to break through and they don't care what talking points they have to advance or what script they have to follow they just want to know what's going to make me yeah. big. And so they go out and they do it. And right now it's the anti-vax stuff. Right now it's great reset. And tomorrow it'll be something else. It'll evolve. It'll change. 
And yes, see it for what it is. And yes, let's pull the conversation in a different direction. But what they're doing has consequences. And we also have to confront that. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James, the word four, and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.